Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure. Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel, and I am Sean Moreland Newcomb. And today we're going to be doing the classical world at the movies. We're going to do the 1947 movie Down to Earth featuring Rita Hayworth. And, of course, we're going to have our old pal Dr. Gary Stickle here. If you'd be so kind as to uh, leave us a lovely note or rating on whatever platform you are using to listen to this podcast, it would be immensely appreciated. It helps get the word out, helps people find us, and we are thankful for it. So, without further ado... Allow me to introduce the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Here's Gary is trying to milk the applause here. Waiting for Gary to jump in. Hey, Gary. Hi. You just wanted a long applause from the, the, the adoring fans. I guess so. Good to be with you. Okay, fantastic. So today we're going to talk about uh, this film called Down to Earth, but we're going to also talk about uh, the subject that is uh, at the center of the film, because frankly, there's this film is uh, a, a mere trifle of a movie. I, I would say I enjoyed it just because of the era it's in. I enjoyed it because of, and we'll jump into it, because of other aspects of it, but uh, there's not a lot to it. Uh, again, it's the 1947 film called Down to Earth. Now, the film features... I, I have a synopsis of it. Sure. Let me just get, give them the who's in it, and just uh, and then you can go right to it. It's Rita Hayworth, Larry Parks, and Mark Platt. Mark Platt, by the way, who lived to be 100 years old. Uh, that was interesting when I looked up that, that information. And uh, before you get to the synopsis, let me just tell them the connections that this film has, because... Um, we'd like to, and we're going to do a review of the film Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. Olivia just passed away, and she was a crush for a lot of us, so I want to talk about that. And that film, which is much maligned, is a movie that is actually about uh, Olivia's character is one of the nine muses. And in researching that movie, it was interesting to find out that that film had been based on this one that we're going to review called Down to Earth because in it, Rita Hayworth, the amazing and beautiful Rita Hayworth, plays one of the nine muses in this film, which Gary will give you a synopsis of. A couple of other things just to know about this film, which is interesting. So Xanadu is sort of a reboot of it in some sense, but also it's a sequel to Here Comes Mr. Jordan. And you may not know that, it's a while ago, that film, but you may know the film that was a remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which was Heaven Can Wait, which is a film in the 70s with Warren Beatty, where he plays a guy who dies, uh, who is taken away too soon by the angels above, and is sent back to Earth in a different body. The body he, he inhabits is of a football player, 
And so it's sort of like an out-of-body story where someone gets to come back as a football player and be a big-time sports star. Here comes Mr. Jordan. He was a boxer. So all these films are related, all these, uh, this sort of universe of these stories. And uh, Gary, take it away. Tell us the synopsis of what this particular... Well, you, you basically did it. It's Down to Earth is 1947, a musical comedy film, they call it. Starring, you know, and really showcasing Rita Hayworth. And like you said, it has Larry Parks and Mark Platt, directed by Alexander Hall. And as you said, the film is a sequel to a 1941 film called Here Comes Mr. Jordan, also directed by Hall. Um, and uh, it's a, well, tell me, tell me it's about, I mean, she comes, she's in heaven. Well, what, what, and, what it's yeah. basically about is, um, there's a Broadway uh, musical that, uh, you know, a director and producer are doing on the nine green, Greek muses. And, uh, and basically, Rita Hayworth, who plays the Greek muse, uh, Terpsichore, um, doesn't like uh, the, the girl that's portraying her on Broadway. So she used M Mr. Jordan, I guess it is, to... Uh, He's able to convey her from uh, the heavenly area, which uh, you know, basically should be Mount Olympus, uh, which they don't mention, by the way, in the film, uh, down to earth so she can, uh, you know, replace this girl. I mean, that's her intention. Well, here, here's the, the first weird thing about this movie. Okay, so the idea is, with Here Comes Mr. Jordan, is that up in heaven, they have kind of a list of when you're supposed to arrive in heaven, when you're supposed to leave this earth and go into the next world. And fascinatingly, it's, it, of the era, it's this really nice sort of prop, not a prop plane, um, well, I guess if you prop being propellers, but old-fashioned transcontinental Well, it would have been a prop plane back yeah, in those yeah, days. Yeah, back in those days, yeah. So yeah. transcontinental airliner, you know, elegant airliner that seems to take people from this world to their journey in heaven in the next world. So that's Mr. Jordan's job. He's kind of he's the administrator. He makes sure that you're, you're getting there when you're supposed to get there. Not too soon and not too late. Now, that's obviously a Christian universe. Yet we have these nine muses, which are from a Greco-Roman pagan universe. So. That was the one thing I found really odd that this kind of like overlap. It's like a Marvel DC crossover. This yeah, overlap it's just kind of, of bizarre. It's kind yeah, of it's bizarre. really strange. Yeah. And so you get this overlap of the of the Christian, you know, uh, I mean, I'm a practicing Christian, this overlap of a, of a Christian ethos, and then with this Greek Roman. That's fine. It's a movie. It's okay. So she, she sees how she's being portrayed in a Broadway play, wants to go down and give him what for. Right. And but, Mr. Gordon is not more than that, she wants to replace her. Yeah. She wants to yeah, change it around and make it properly, have them properly honor the way the muses actually are. Now and, now she she portrays Terpsichore, one of the one of the nine muses. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm gonna mention all the muses uh, in a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh now Terpsichore, uh, they say in the in the film that she's a muse of dance and song and that's not true she's just the muse of dance mm -hmm. uh, terpsichore in greek mythology was a protector of dance and uh, she also invented the harp called the lyra 
Who was um, the muse of Sog? Um, that would be Euterpe. Mm-hmm. So they, in, in very Hollywood fashion, they kind of made a composite muse. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so Terpsichore, you know, was, um, she was called that because she enjoyed having fun with dancing. Uh, Terp, Terpo, which is part of her name, in Greek refers to being uh, having fun or being amused. And then uh, in Greek mythology, she was depicted wearing uh, laurel leaf wreaths on her head mm-hmm. and holding a harp and dancing. So that's a real terpsichore. Right. Okay. Um, Euterpe is a muse. Is, is a muse of music, and uh, she uh, discovered several musical instruments. Uh, and she was usually depicted as holding a flute, uh, and uh, and also she's depicted with musical instruments around her and everything. So anyhow, uh huh. So she so so the setup is you've got now. Let's remember you got Rita Hayworth, uh, who was it? You know the what they call the old school screen goddesses. So it was a pretty good casting there, right? And yeah. and it's interesting because it's set up with the nine muses, uh, and you see them up in heaven, and uh, beautiful actresses, and they're addressed. What I noticed the, the the one thing that really stood out about this film is. This is the the old school Technicolor. So this is yeah. right after World War II, and it is just bursting with beautiful color schemes all throughout. Frankly, the movie looked more like a, a Broadway play shot on you know uh, on film. So it just has much more the feel of a play than anything else. Yeah. Well, but after it, after the uh, grimness of World War II, uh, Americans were really into having light and fun entertainment. Absolutely. Yeah. You had a lot of these kinds of novelty songs were big then too, but you know, all the, each of the muses had a different color, uh, goddess gown, and they just looked beautiful. So it was nice to, that well, was enjoyable. Costumes, costumes are beautiful. And Rita Hayworth was beautiful with her. Yeah, absolutely. With her long wavy uh, red hair. And uh, yeah, she know, she's just, really, yeah. and she just, she did marvelously dance and sing. I mean, she, she was a dancer. Well, you know, she was a dancer and singer. That's how she began, right? She, she began yeah. as a dancer. I think her dad yeah. was a dancer and mom might have been too. Um, so she started out as a song and dance gal. So, yeah, so she's great for it. She works just great for it. And then they send her down to earth and she meets the, the, the playwright. No, they, they don't send her down. Oh, sorry. She, uh, she goes, she, she well, she they goes allow to Jordan her. And, and he yeah, he allows her. her. Yeah, yeah. They, they, he allows her. Like they, I meant. The, the heavenly he, powers. He keeps appearing uh, throughout the film. Other people can't see him, but she sees him. Yeah, that's uh, the conceit. And he has this real serious uh, you know, attitude, you know. He has an assistant, too, who can't be seen. So she she does. So she she ends up down now. Yeah, Jordan is. Yeah, she ends up down on. Um, she ends up on down Earth. on Earth. And she, of course, because this is Hollywood, she falls in love with the playwright. Yeah, she loves the playwright. Um, she decides that she's going to help him properly show the play. Now he wants to get just a you know a nice pop extravaganza play that you know will be successful and make him a lot of money. We find out why later on in the film, and she wants high art, so she convinces him to 
put on uh, what they would have called back then a hoity-toity kind of play, a highbrow play. Uh, and when, so he changes around everything because you know, he listens to her. Um, he gets rid of the woman who's playing her role. Of course, she plays herself. And then when they debut it, because they would always uh, debut in Philadelphia. I don't know if they still do that. I wonder if they do. But when they debuted it, it really put people to sleep. So they got just, yeah, did not work. So he's forced to go back to his old way. And she sees that this is the best way for him. And he goes back to his his old, more lowbrow, more popular entertainment style. And it's a hit. Now, there's a, there's a couple of plot points in there. You know, he has to have a hit because he owes money to a gangster. And she doesn't yeah. realize that. So she's so once she realizes that and she wants them to, to to be safe and looks the best for him, she you know, she agrees and she works with them to, to do this more popular style musical. And uh, works out in the end, becomes popular. But, you know, as with all great, you know, but as with many great love stories, they're separated. She has to she can't stay on earth with them. She has to go back to heaven and wait for him to arrive, which I kind of found ghoulish personally. Like the, the yeah, scene same here. where he's like dead and shows yeah. up. It's like, I don't know if that kind of, I, I don't think that's a kind of a happy ending to see him dead. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, neither do I. I was like, this is not, I, I'm not really good with this. It would be nice, I would be nice if they just wait for him to arrive on that plane, you know. Yeah, on the death plane. So death not plane, exa- yeah. exactly, not exactly what you want. Yeah, that's but, kind uh, of a downside to the movie, which I I, I thought was depressing, I agree. Really. I agree. I found it depressing too at the end. You're supposed to go, oh, it's great, they're back together, but like he's dead. So I would have liked it if they just said, you know, here's your special wish, tinkle, 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 and then you know he puts the magic wand over her head, and she gets to be human and grow old with him. You know, that would have been a nice ending. In my, yeah. if I had been doing the movie. Um, okay. So what did you, what did you think of the movie overall, Gary? Uh, it was okay. It was just fluffy entertainment. The dance sequences were good. The storyline in between was ridiculous to me. Yeah. Well, there's Uh, not much. It's a wisp of a story. It's a wisp of a story. So, you know, it's it's what audiences, they they wanted light and fluffy stuff back in that day. And uh, that's, that's, Definitely what it was. And it's, it's to this day, it's a Hollywood uh, practice that's often used. You've got a hit movie, let's make a sequel. So, and even yeah. if they thinly tied the sequel together, they're going to do it somehow because people, it's a known quantity, people will go see it. So, so in that sense, that's of course what they would do. They've got their sequel. I thought it was, again, I like the fluffy color of it it was beautiful they're beautiful yeah the color of the costumes the yeah. pretty girls the pretty, yeah beautiful the women dancing all, all that was good that stuff was great you know they, they these yeah. really were screen goddesses of the old old variety but you know again the downer ending <laughs> with the guy the, you know, he has to leave you know that's it your time on Earth, Earth well, is the whole fun. idea of having a plane to fly to heaven, I just thought was ridiculous. But I know it just says something about the age, you know. It's just like, yeah. oh, you know, heaven decided, you know, heaven upgraded its, you know, flight patterns. Were there chariots before to other places? You know, so it's fascinating. Uh, I'm sure we'd have a rocket ship now, but so yeah, that's, uh, that was kind of 
Well, right now we have a moon rocket ship that we can't get off the ground. And also, don't even start me on that. There's a whole conversation we could have about how we could do that. Delayed three or four times, but uh, I hope. Yeah, we're just doing something. I understand that they have to work on it. They may not be able to to really launch it for a couple of months or something. Oh, this is a conversation for another time, Gary. I could go on and on. But anyhow, before uh, we finish, I do want to mention all the muses. Sure. Oh well, well, let's well we'll do that. Let's just talk more about this, and then I want to you know, take a dive with you into the actual classical aspect of this because that is, uh, you know, that's your sweet spot. That's where you can knock it out of the park. Um, so yeah, there's that. There's that aspect of the story. So I thought that was interesting. Again, I, I'm looking forward to, to reviewing Xanadu to see just kind of the comparison between the two films. See what's there. It's interesting that there is this whole universe of these films. You know, when you think about it, there's still there's four films in this universe, right? Yeah. Because you've got Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which becomes Heaven Can Wait, and you've got Down to Earth, which is a sequel to Mr. Jordan, but ends up becoming, to a certain extent, it's rebooted as Xanadu. I, and apparently it's a very loose reboot. But um, it's it's interesting. And, you know, and we're going to talk about it now, but it's probably one of those things where, you know, if someone hears us mentioning it, they'll try their own new reboot of either of those films um, because that's kind of how Hollywood works. So uh, let's give it our rating, Gary, in our rating of five shields. How many shields would you give this film? I'd give it a two, I think. I'm going to be generous. I'll give it two and a half shields just because it is, it is pleasing to look at, you know, it's just, you it's, know, it's that, that it is. Yeah. yeah. It's pleasing to look at. Yeah, Rita Hayward. But I'll, I'll never see it again. I mean, you know, it's just. Yeah, I'm not going to go looking for it. If it's on, you know, I'll stare at it for a little bit and then turn the channel maybe. I um, might watch one dance if it, I happen to channel surf on it, but that's that's it. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I think that's about that's uh, that's about the size of it. So let's talk about the muses, Gary. So tell us about. Yeah, I do, who I do are the nine say, muses? Tell us about. Tell us about. And I think it's really interesting that in ancient Greek mythology, they had these uh, nine uh, goddesses of inspiration to inspire people. And that's part, you know, that's a part of, of uh, Greek, ancient Greek religion, I think is great. And uh, so uh, the muse I like the most because I'm an archeologist is Cleo, the muse of history. Mm-hmm. And supposedly she discovered history and uh, she plays a kathara, which is a type of harp. And Cleo refers to Cleos or Cleos, which is a Greek word uh, for heroic acts or glory. And Cleo is represented by a scroll, which is uh, a book in ancient Greece. And, um, you know, anyhow, mm-hmm. she's, she's my favorite muse. Uh, it made me think of the Whig Cleosophic Society which is yeah. a, a debating society yeah. at, at my old alma mater. Um, so, yeah, uh, Cleo appears in lots of places. Um, so And the ne- next muse is Thalia, the muse of comedy. I think it's great that the Greeks had a muse to inspire comedy. And, she, and, then, and look at this. Um, she's the one that, you know, originated uh, comedy, but also she discovered geometry architectural science and agriculture. And she was also the protector of symposions. Now, symposions were ancient Greek uh, 
dinner parties where men would discuss philosophy and the arts and all sorts of things. And, um, and she was depicted always holding a, a mask with a smile, called a comic mask. That's an interesting connection. It's an interesting combination of things, isn't it? Yeah. And, and Thalia, then, you said Thalia? And then uh, that's Thalia. Mm -hmm. And then the opposite is Melpomene, who is a muse of tragedy. Mm -hmm. She was that's, the opposite to Thalia. She was probably not a lot of fun to be and around. She was the protector of tragedy, which she invented, unfortunately. Yeah, she's. Uh, I, uh, she also invented rhetoric speech. Uh huh. Uh, and uh, she's always depicted holding a tragic mask, you know, with a with a, a grimace or a frown, you know. And then we already discussed uh, Terpsichore. And then the next muse is Euterpe, the muse of music. We discussed her a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then the next muse is. Uh, Eroto or Erato, the, she was a muse of love and love poetry and weddings. That's where we get the word erotic from. And I her name she, comes she from did, the Greek word. She'd have been more fun to hang around Eros. Than, the, than the tragic one, right? Yeah, her, her name uh, derives from Eros, which is mm -hmm. the Greek word uh, meaning feeling of love. Sure. And she's also depicted holding a, a, a lyre. And a low a love bow and arrow, you know, kind of like uh, Cupid. And then you have Polyhymnia, the muse of sacred poetry. Uh, she was the one of many hymns. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she was a protector of divine hymns. And she invented, uh, also she invented geometry. So I guess they got two muses invented geometry and grammar. She's depicted looking up at the sky, holding a lyre. So a lot of them are depicted holding lyres. The next one is uh, number eight is Urania, spelled O-U-R-A-N-I-A, -A, like mm -hmm. we'd say Urania maybe, U-R-A-N-I-A. -A. And she was the muse of astronomy. And we have Uranus, you know, the planet Uranus or Uranus. Uh, and so she uh, was involved with the stars and celestial objects. So we could use her help now getting this uh, <laughs> yeah. rocket off the ground. Okay. Yeah. Even though the rocket is involved with the Artemis program, but uh, you really right. need to exactly. be involved. Exactly. It would have been more appropriate to uh, name the, the rocket Urania. Well, we all, you know, here we approve of Artemis. She's special to us. All right. And she was depicted holding a celestial sphere. It's a sphere, but it's supposed to represent the stars uh, and, a, um, and a compass. And then the last muse is Calliope, the muse of epic poetry and rhetoric art. And Calliope means beautiful voiced. Mm -hmm. She was considered the superior muse, which I think is interesting because you know, she's the one who inspired Homer. Mm. Uh, and uh, she accompanied kings and princes in order to uh, impose justice and serenity. Homer asked uh, her to inspire him when he evoked a muse in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And Cli Cliope is depicted holding a, a stylus uh, and, uh, you know, a little writing board, you know, so she can write things down. Mm -hmm. And those are the... Uh, those are the muses. 
Well, and we and, you know, and, and the um, we we still are inspired. It was, by uh, excuse me, it was a wax, a wax tablet, which was a writing board. She used a stylus on stylus, is, you know, pointed instrument, so you can make indentations into the wax. Yeah, we have we use them now on. Uh, we in fact call it a stylus when you use it on your tablets or your smartphones. Yeah. So uh, as I was saying, we we have we still are inspired by the muses. We still talking about talk about how a person looks for his or her muse to create, yes. you know, our muse of creation. You so, still make references to that, yes. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, as we often talk about, the, the classical world still lives strongly around us. You know, it's still here everywhere. And the idea of these muses, I think, is, I, I love it. So it's a wonderful, it, it's a wonderful conceit. I, I do too, and like I said earlier, you know, it's, it, to me, it just shows the, the uh, beautiful uh, complexity of Greek uh, religion, ancient Greek re- religion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, they call it. But Well, you know, it makes me think about the choice of, of blending Greek mythology with the, the flame, the, you know, Christian framework of, of the heaven and hereafter. It would have been interesting for them to kind of split it off a little differently if they had just made this sort of like, another realm with the Greek gods and having them come down. It's just, it, there's, there's a richness there that deserves its own separate sphere from the richness that you have with just this yeah. with the, yeah, yeah. The heavenly framework. So it is a, it's a strange, it's a strange choice, but I, again, I can see probably they wanted it as a, I can see it as being a star vehicle for uh, Rita Hayworth. And, you know, again, to make a sequel, how do you mix her in? What do you, what do you, I mean, the yeah. thing is, if they want to be true to Greek mythology, they would have Hermes, uh, and uh, who is a messenger of the gods, but, mm-hmm. but he would also uh, accompany gods and take them places. Uh, he would have been appropriate. It would have been more fun. You know, since he has sandals with wings, he has a, a hat with wings on it, he flies, you know. He could have, uh, took her hand and flew her down to earth, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can see two separate movies. You have that movie where you have the purely Greco-Roman, you have the Greek down to earth come there. And I think in a modern version, you have the female heaven can wait where it's a woman who becomes an athlete. Maybe she becomes a great sprinter or something of that sort. Yeah. So you can have fun with it in that way. Um, well, have we a, are, you know, have a Venus Williams thing going on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking you could have any anything like that. You could have someone where they have her body or a great, you know, basketball player or you know track sprinter or somebody yeah it would be great to see to see how you'd pull them together so well listen on that note we're going to eventually do uh an episode on xanadu so keep a lookout for it folks it'll be coming down the pike very soon and uh but i want to thank as always our uh homeric scholar extraordinaire dr gary stickle thank you gary And thank you all for listening. This has been the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This has been the Classical World at the Movies. We have been reviewing the 1947 film Down to Earth. Thank you all for listening. God bless, and we'll see you soon.